hearts to hear your word this morning. May we be challenged by your spirit. And may we obediently respond. No matter how tough it may feel. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning, why don't you go ahead, just turn to your neighbor and just greet them, give them a high five, whatever, welcome them to Radiant Life this morning. Hey, thanks for not camping this weekend. Uh, we love the campers. They're gone, but we still love them. Hey, it's good to see everyone again. Uh, my name's Ryan, lead pastor at Radiant Life. We're really excited this week because um, we get to finish a teaching series. And I think a lot of times teaching series uh, culminate to something. And I think this, this series that we've been on, Jonah, this is week four, we've been looking at a chapter a week, culminates with something this week. Uh, for those of you who are new into the series, I'll catch you up. For those of you that have been here all weeks, I'll catch you up. So we're all on the same page. We've been looking at Jonah. So if you want to go ahead, turn there in the Older Testament to Jonah chapter 4. Again, very, very small book. You're going to probably not find it. Use the table of contents. It's there for a reason, right? Use the table of contents. Also, you can use, uh, go to the Newer Testament. Remember, find those four guys. Who are those four guys? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the four guys who write about Jesus, go to Matthew, go back eight books, and you're going to find Jonah, okay? While you turn there, we've been looking at Jonah. We found out in Jonah chapter one that Jonah is a prophet, which means he's the mouthpiece for God. And in Jonah chapter one, we're told that God tells Jonah, arise, go to the great city of Nineveh, preach against it, their evil has come up before me. We, we're told that Jonah rises up, but what does he do, friends? He goes the other way. He turns his back to God. He was in the presence. He was face to face with God. And in the Hebrew, he turns his back to God and goes down. Every step was a direction of disobedience. And that's the pathway of sin in our lives. When we turn our back to God, the only direction is down. Jonah finds himself going down. Finally, we're told that in chapter 2, or at the end of chapter 1, a great fish. We kind of discussed what was this. Was it a whale? Was it a knot? Who knows? But know this, God, if God said a great fish swallowed, we're going to believe it was a great fish. We looked at the Newer Testament. Remember, Jesus even mentions Jonah. So is it a real story? I'm going to put my money on where Jesus said, and Jesus references it. But we're told that in the middle, Jonah got swallowed by this great fish. And in the belly, Jonah just is repenting, pouring out his heart to God. And in our deep, darkest moments in our life, that God can breathe new life in the dead and hopeless situations. And that's exactly what happened with Jonah. Jonah got a second chance. In Jonah chapter 3, we're told that Jonah's vomited back on the land. Jonah finally obeys. The first reference we get, a prophet from God finally obeying God. He goes there to the great city of Nineveh. He preaches eight words. In fact, let me show you the map. We've seen the map a couple times. Dwight, can you go to the map, please? We've seen the map, and the X is where Jonah is, 650 miles 
distance to Nineveh. On the other side, he goes to Tarshish. That, again, that is the end of the known world at this time. This is about 750 years before Jesus. He is going, he is getting out of the presence of God. The next slide, Dwight. This is the great city of Nineveh, which is in Iraq. You can go there, see the ancient ruins. And finally, Jonah gets there and preaches eight English words, five Hebrew words that says 40 more days in Nineveh will be overthrown. That's it. Five words and that we're told that the Ninevites believe. 120,000 plus believe in God with those words right there. And this is where we pick up Jonah today. You think Jonah should be celebrating, right? Like, five words, Jonah, 120,000 people believe. Jonah chapter 3, the end of chapter 3 says this. This is the king of Nineveh speaking. Who knows, may God yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. So we know all the city repents and God relents. Jonah, you ought to be happy. Jonah chapter 4 verse 1. But to Jonah this seemed what, friends? One more time, it seemed what? Very wrong. Are you kidding me, Jonah? 120,000 people just believed. And to you, this is very wrong. And he became angry. The literal translation there of the Hebrew word actually means disaster. Jonah literally says, this is a disaster, God. A great disaster. Like, what? Hold on, you're a prophet of God. You're God's voice. This should be like celebration of what just happened. No, no, no. God, this is a disaster, what you just did. And the word angry actually is the type of word that means to burn with fire. Jonah is irate at what God did. Verse 2, he prayed to the Lord. This is Jonah. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Whoa, Jonah. Talk about mood swing. Like here we have a prophet who decides to disobey God, walks the path of disobedience, finds himself in the belly of a great fish. God, I want second chances. God said, you want a second chance? Yes, all right, I'll give you a second chance. Up out of the fish you come. Jonah goes to the city, preaches, and all of a sudden the city relents, repents, God relents, and you are so inflamed that it's better for you to die than to live? My friend once told me that he was um, in middle school. He doesn't remember what grade he was in. Uh, I think he was new into the middle school setting. So here it would be sixth grade. And he had a female teacher. And the teacher came rushing in the class, slammed the door. And she goes, don't 
mess with me. I have PMS today. I think Jonah has that. <laughs> but not quite like that. I think, can you go to the next slide, Dewey? I think Jonah's suffering from prophetic mood swings. <laughs> the guy is up and down with his emotions and his happiness. I mean, he's, he's angry and then he's happy that God saved him, but that same mercy, he doesn't want on the Ninevites. God, I thank you for saving me, but don't go save them because they're wicked. God saves them and now he's mad again. Like, whoa, Jonah. But why? Why deep down does Jonah feel this way? What we haven't fully disclosed yet in this series is I disclosed a little bit how wicked the Ninevites were. Sixty years later, after Jonah's experience with them, they would go and impale the Jews. In fact, this is a picture on one of their monuments in Nineveh depicting them impaling the Jews 60 years after Jonah. They are not nice people. In fact, one method that they would do is they would take family members, behead them, put their heads on poles, and make one of your family members parade their family members with their heads on their poles around as a form of punishment. They were cruel, evil people. In fact, the Ninevites even boast that they could take a person alive, stretch them out until all their skin would pop off their body while keeping them alive. I know it sounds absolutely graphic. These are the type of people that God just sent his grace and mercy to. And Jonah, they don't deserve it. They're horrible, wicked people. A modern uh, illustration of the Ninevites would be ISIS today. Some of us, our feeling is, let's just go and bomb ISIS. That is not going to fix the issue. What's going to fix their issue? It's a heart issue. They need Jesus more than anything else. I don't have all the answers to fix ISIS. But that's the modern illustration we have. We need more Jonas to go over there and share the gospel and good news of Jesus Christ with people who are utterly lost. And God says, my grace is not beyond them. I'm going to shower them with my grace and mercy and forgiveness because they're my kids. They do horrible things, but they're my children. And I have a heart for them. Jonah, it sounds like Jonah has a right to be angry. Well, God doesn't think he has a right to be angry. Verse 4, but the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah, I want to know, I just saved 120,000 people. Do you have a right to be angry at me? 
120,000 people that are absolutely wicked, lost. They don't know anything. They're ignorant. Do you have a right, Jonah? Tell me, do you have a right to be angry? And Jonah's response, Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place where, friends? Noticed east, and we'll get to that in a minute, east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. What's awesome about that is God asks a question, Jonah, do you have a right to be angry? Jonah just leaves the conversation, right? He's like, well, see ya. <laughs> he goes out to the city, and where he's, where, what side of the city? East. Here's what's so fascinating about east in the biblical text. East is the direction of exile. It's a sign of rebellion. Where did Adam and Eve go after they rebelled and got kicked out of the garden? They went where? To the east. After Cain, the very first murder in all of humanity was between brothers. Where did Cain go after he murdered his brother Abel? It says he went to the east. The Tower of Babel built in the very first book that we have in our biblical text, Genesis, where all the languages get confused and everything, and they built this tower because they wanted to see how high they can get to God, and they came from where? Yeah, these aren't trick questions. They came from the east. And here Jonah, look at you, God. I'm going to build a shelter. I'm going to wait to see you destroy this city. Surely, God, you aren't crazy enough to keep these wicked people alive. And we know Jonah's camping out. He's waiting. How do we know? He's willing to build a shelter and wait for destruction to this city. Jonah has first row seat to the destruction of the city. He says, God, I want to see, I want to see something happen. And here Jonah sits on the east side of the city in a pity party. They don't deserve it. And I knew you would do this, God. Pity party. And some of us, we know how to throw parties. Pity parties. When God does things we don't want him to do. Or when God answers a prayer the way we don't want him to answer the prayer, we know how to throw a pity party. But God's not done. Verse 4, I'm sorry, verse 6. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was what? Oh, Jonah's so happy about that plant. Here's his mood swings again. He's over here pouting in a shelter. God, bring destruction to the city. I'm mad at you. All of a sudden, God says, I'm going to bring this plant to discomfort, to ease the discomfort. Our translation, some might say gourd. Jonah got a gourd from the Lord, and he's so happy about it. Right? I mean, if you ladies are confused to what to get your man for Valentine's Day, give him a gourd. It worked for Jonah. Right? <laughs> He's so happy, thank you. He got a gourd from the Lord, and he's just over here, woohoo! Jonah, you aren't done yet. Verse 7. But dawn the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed the plant so that it withered. 
When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. In verse 9, he wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. What emotion was Jonah just feeling? Happy. Now what is Jonah facing emotionally? Just kill me. His mood swings are at it again, up and down. He's, Jonah gets irate and inflamed. He's happy. Then he goes irate and inflamed again. God, it's better for me to die. And I love the next couple verses. Verse 9, but God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Same question that I asked earlier. Do you have a right to be angry about the people I just saved? Jonah, do you have a right to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry I wish I were dead. This time he responds. The first time, do you have a right that I saved people? Jonah just leaves the city, ignores God, goes out. This time, yep, I do have a right. And my right is I'm angry and I wish I would just die. Verse 10, but the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have a concern for the great city of Nineveh in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and also many animals. The way God ends, the book of Jonah just ends with a question. And when God says these people don't know their right hand from their left, it does not mean that the people are dumb. It means they're lost. And God, in a sense, is saying, Jonah, I have a heart and passion for these people who are so lost. They're in a cycle of brokenness and darkness. And my heart as a good, good father, as the heavenly father, is to bring hope and healing to people who are wandering in darkness. And Jonah, you're so angry that I saved them. You're so angry that I withered your gourd that made you so happy. Don't I have a right as a heavenly father to rejoice when people turn back to me? And I think for us, that Jonah's struggle is our struggle. It's hard sometimes when things don't go the way we thought they should. When things go unexpected. You did everything that you thought you should. An outcome should be this. But we struggle when we do A and B and C doesn't happen. We raise our kids certain ways. Train them, discipline them in certain ways with hope that the outcome being that they won't fall into certain sins and temptation and make bad choices in life. 
We're calculated people. If we just work hard at the job, stay focused, do what I'm supposed to do, then perhaps the boss will notice me. I'll get the raise, I'll get the promotion. If I only eat and exercise a certain way, then certainly later down the road, I won't face these diseases in life. If I read my Bible enough, if I pray enough, if I join a small group, if I serve, if I go to church, certainly these struggles and pains won't happen to me. And when things don't go our way, we get angry. It frustrates us. We begin to question everything. Why? And it disturbs us. And some of us were thinking right now what's disturbing us. God, I did A and B and I thought C would happen. But C is not happening. Why? I pray that this song would minister to your heart. The entire book of Jonah is full of the unexpected. This is a summary, if I had to summarize everything we've been talking for four weeks. It's that in our shattered expectation, God desires to birth something new within you. It's okay to be frustrated. It's okay to say, God, what are you doing? The danger is that we stay there and we miss what God's doing in the midst of it. It's in our shattered expectations that God desires to birth something new with you. And in the book of Jonah, you have a great wind, a great fish, a king, a pagan city. You have a gourd and a worm that obey God, but a prophet who disobeys. That's unexpected. You have a prophet who's in the belly of a great fish for three days, three nights, and survives. That is unexpected. You have an entire pagan, cruel city hears five words and turns to God. That is unexpected. And you have one of the most successful Old Testament prophets ever in Jonah, who at the end of the story is utterly lost. That is unexpected. How do you deal with the unexpected expectations in life? Don't stay there in a pity party, but turn your eyes back to God. Say, God, what are you teaching 
What are you birthing new in my life? And may I see it because all I see is disaster and chaos and confusion and bitterness towards you right now. So in keeping line with the book of Jonah, it closes with a question. We'll close our Jonah series out with a question. When things don't go your way, are you willing to say, God, may I see what your birthing knew with me? Let's pray. Father, it is so hard at times when we think A and B and then C doesn't happen. We say, why? I thought I did everything. And in Jonah's life, he got frustrated and irritated because of what you did. He thought disaster and destruction on the people. But God, you are a God of mercy. You are a God of compassion and love and grace. And you said, no one is outside the realms of my redemption. And Jonah was angry at you. And God, it's real emotions to get upset when you don't answer the prayer the way we thought that prayer should have been answered. When our kids and our grandkids and our nieces and nephews rebel and you're like, I thought I did everything as a parent, as a grandparent. When the job's not going the way we thought it should go, even though we're working hard at it, or our marriage is not there. We're working hard. Why are we feeling miles apart? God, would you give us a spirit that reveals what you're doing inside of us? May we not linger in our frustration that we miss what you're doing inside of us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Remember, friends, it's in our shattered expectation. God desires to birth something new within you, within me. May we be the church that goes and realizes, God, it is well with me. Through it all, I don't like this right now, but I'm going to praise you. I don't know what this means. I don't know why this is happening, but I know this. I'm not going to stay frustrated. I'm going to turn my eyes and God reveal what you're birthing inside of me. Because when we begin to do that as followers of Jesus, imagine what lost people, as God said, who don't know their right from their left, imagine if they see you and begin to ask, why don't you let the mess of life destroy you and get you down. You can now share the love of Jesus with them. May we be the church that brings hope and healing to people who are lost and broken. Amen? Amen. Hey, can we give these guys a hand for the acoustic set? Great job. Thank you guys, thank you. Hey, next week we kick off our new series titled I Love My Church.
It's going to be fun and fantastic. Don't forget, if you want to help support Wall School and the teachers, we can still bring in a bunch of items. There's a lot of postcards still on the usher table right outside those windows. You can grab, bring them in next week because we just want to bless that school and their teachers, all right? Hey, blessings to you. Have a great day and go Texas Longhorns. See you later.